How can radio be a vehicle for peace? On February the 13th, the day this podcast is being published, we're celebrating World Radio Day. And this year, the theme of the day is based around radio and peace. So what is it about radio which makes it such an effective medium for fostering social cohesion and breaking down barriers? Radio gives the voice to the farmers, to the indigenous people, women, children, everyone who is now constructing peace in their everyday life. In this episode, I'll be speaking to those who know about the importance of radio as a medium of communication. The radio gets to where other media can't. It gives a voice and put the territories into the spotlight. But also know that radio, in the wrong hands, can instead be used to sow division, disunity and conflict. We need to be able to counter that. We need to have a space where people have access to reliable information and that provides a space for dialogue and discussion rather than becomes an arm for propaganda. I'm Harry Locke and from the Public Media Alliance, this is Media Uncovered. Uh, how is radio a force for peace? This is Yesenia Polanya. She's a journalist from Colombia. I think that the radio is, is like a window uh, where you can tell and show many things and stories that were never told before. When it comes to thinking about radio and peace, there perhaps isn't a better place to begin than in Colombia. Yesenia works for one of the country's 16 emisoras de paz, literally stations of peace. Juan Ricardo Polido is the national coordinator of the Emisoras de Paz at Radio Nacional de Colombia. The peace radio stations were born as a result of the peace accord between the Colombian government and the former guerrilla group FARC. They are basically radio stations dedicated to peace construction in the territories the conflict damaged the most. They are supposed to give a voice to the communities contribute somehow to rebuilding the social fabric and our communication tools that highlight the culture, music, and other kind of expression from the Colombian people affected by the violence. The 50-year conflict between the Colombian government and the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, known as FARC, came to an end in 2016 with an historic peace agreement and included in that accord was a commitment to establishing 20 emisoras de paz, peace radio stations, in conflict-riven areas. Since then, the public broadcasting system RTVC has launched 16 stations, including four which only just launched on Friday the 10th of February. Yesenia works for an emisora de paz in the south of Colombia, in Algeciras in Gila department. I have been working here from an, a year and seven months, and... At the beginning, it was difficult because many people said that this place was too dangerous and too dangerous for journalism and for everyone who tried to tell what is happening or what was happening about the conflict. But when I start to work every day to make radio, to talk about the things that many people are doing, it was too different because I had the opportunity to know the experiences, the projects, people trying to work together with the same purpose. And this purpose was 
something like change the face or the things that many people think about this town, Algeciras. And the people that have been living here for many years say that Algeciras is not a dangerous place. It's a place where people really want to construct peace, when people really like to help each other. So how do the Emisoras de Paz actually work? Well, as coordinator, Juan oversees all stations. The peace radio stations have, according to the peace accord, two main goals. To teach about the peace accord and to do outreach of the accord's implementation. I mean, tell how and what has been done from the pact. As members of the public radio, the peace radio stations also highlight the country's cultural richness and contribute to the Colombian identity construction. Our teams are constituted by social communications professionals who often were victims of the conflict, as well as a core signers who dropped their weapons to take headphones and microphones. Along with them, we have indigenous communities members, Afro people, communicators in general, Colombians with the basic knowledge to work as a journalist for Colombian Public Radio. And when these stations are developed and when they're thinking about the sort of programs that, that they put on, I mean, what's the central mission that they're, they're trying to achieve? Besides teaching about the peace accord and doing our reach of the accord's implementation, we produce inclusive and diverse content in order to protect our diversity and patrimony and to contribute to the social fabric building. We are uh, committed to paying attention and making visible each particularity of the territories we are at. We do our best to understand the communities, their reality, their richness and their needs. Yeah, I mean, what sort of programs are they producing? We have multiple programs. Two informative programs where the news about their course implementation are protagonists, a magazine-based program to talk about contributive actions to the positive transformation of the territory, the uh, Encuentro de Paz program, the one that di directly emphasizes content to teach about the Peace Accord, a space dedicated to our rural population, and two musical programs Bowman to promote the music from the regions, the new artists, uh, those who are only known in the territories. In conclusion, we have very varied radio programming that responds to the public criteria and our reason for being as a peace radio stations. Why do you think radio is seen as, as such a, a special and effective way of establishing and promoting peace. What, what is it about it, do you think, that makes it particularly useful when, you know, bringing together society and establishing social cohesion and social unity? Media in general can build peace because, among other reasons, they can also build war. History has proved it. Let's not forget the RTLM, Television Radio of the Mil Collins in Rwanda, just like a reflection. Why the radio? Well, um, Colombia is a country where radio is still highly appreciated, despite all the technological advances. 
It is geographically rich country, very diverse, but technically very complex. It is not easy to get the territories, but the radio makes it possible. The radio gets to where other media can't. It gives a voice and puts the territories into the spotlight. In conclusion, it's the radio because it is the most powerful and popular media in Colombia, especially in the regions located the farthest uh, from the capital. The peace stations in Colombia show the power of radio. It's not only convenient in being able to reach audiences over large swathes of land, but it also allows audiences to hear other voices, other perspectives. Because ultimately reaching audiences is just one thing, providing the right service, broadcasting the right content and imparting the right message is another challenge. Bonjour, je m'appelle Brice Landry-Dangui. Je suis journaliste et rédacteur en chef à Radio Ndekiluka depuis 2019. Brice is a journalist and the editor-in-chief for Radio Ndekiluka, or RNL, a radio station based in the Central African Republic. The country has been facing a security crisis for over a decade. Conflict between numerous militias and the government has impacted everyone. At one point, armed groups held 80% of the country. The falling apart of the peace agreement in 2021 resulted in a government offensive supported by Russian and Rwandan soldiers. Today, the government controls almost the entire country, although some areas remain unsafe. But Brice says that the impact of the conflict still remains. The country is experiencing both a security crisis with the presence of Russian paramilitaries alongside the army and an economic crisis due to the suspension of aid from some of its financial partners. So where does Radio Ndeka Luka come in? Radio Ndeka Luka was founded during the security crisis in 2000 in CAR. Its aim is to provide appropriate, factual, reliable information. This is a role we continue to fulfil today. As I said, Radio in Dekaluka is very popular in CAR. Thanks to RNL working daily, promote a culture of tolerance, living side by side, social cohesion, and above all, peace. And it's paying off, as so many testimonies show. In the Central African Republic, radio is the most popular and accessible medium. It is much easier to access radio than television or other forms of media. It is an effective means of spreading messages of unity and peace. It is particularly well suited to places where access to electricity remains problematic, where hundreds or thousands of poor people live together. It is also a vital tool for communicating with people in their homes to overcome conflicts and help communities. Our mission is to give reliable, credible information within the context of the multifaceted crisis facing the CAR and its population. Radio Indeca Luca is a Fondation Hirondelle station. Fondation Hirondelle is a Swiss non-profit organization which supports media for peace and human dignity. That's their motto. Their head of editorial content is Jackie Dalton. In terms of your work then, I mean, which which countries are you working in and, and what sort of projects are they? Are they always based around radio or, or, or other uh, forms of media? So currently we have projects in, I think, 11 or 12 countries. 
And we work in different ways depending on the context. So either we'll support existing media. So for example, that's the case currently in, in Ukraine, uh, in Pakistan, for Myanmar as well, where we've identified media that we can support it in different ways. So we'll try and have a holistic approach. It might be about helping them with editorial content and strengthening the capacity of journalists. It might be helping them to work in a in a way that's more sustainable financially. And in other countries, we have core studios where we create the content ourselves and it's broadcast either through a network of local partners or in some cases through our, our own transmitters in multiple local languages. Now, the radio question is an important one. So we'll, we'll tend to go for whatever the medium is that is likely to be most effective at reaching our target audiences. So in many of the countries where we have our core big operations now, uh, which includes the Sahel, which includes Central African Republic, radio is still the number one and importantly, most trusted medium for people to get their information. And bearing in mind that we're trying to reach those who are often the most vulnerable, the poorest, the least educated, radio is the tool where we can best access them. And even people who, who can't read or don't have access to any other information, that is the tool that they will use to be able to get information. In other contexts, we will work in, with other channels, but radio, I think, is, is the bread and butter and the core and still the most effective way to reach most of our target audiences where we are right now. Why is that? Is that just because of the infrastructure that's been there over the past number of decades or is it because it's a more trusted medium and, and audiences prefer it? Yeah, I think it's both of those things. I mean, I think like everywhere there is a slow tendency to shift towards other platforms. But I think a lot is simply to do with the economic situation and the lack of infrastructure. Radio compared to television is relatively cheap. And if you're you know, living in a, in a small community, uh, there might not be even be a television where you are. So radio is still, to own a radio is still relatively simple and to keep it charged and to keep it running, et cetera. So I think economics accounts for a lot of it. That said, I also think radio has a special role in the lives of a lot of a lot of people. Personally, it's my my preferred medium because I find it's the one that creates the most sense of community and connection. But I think that's why it's a really powerful tool, especially local radio. So you very rarely have local TV that's going to give you information very specific to your local area. But if you look at the hundreds of community radio stations or local radio stations, in particular in many African countries, those are really well connected to their communities. And so that's why they're the trusted voices. It's voices that people recognize and that they know and that belong to them, if you like. Do you sort of suggest any, I mean, is there any sort of content or, or particular style of programming which is particularly inclined towards peace and uh, social cohesion? Yeah, so I think you can look at it on several different levels. I think on the most basic level, in order to be able to make wise and well-informed decisions and to understand the world around us, we need to have information. We need to be able to make good decisions based on what's happening in reality. And I think in conflict in particular, the stakes with regard to information are really high because you've got high uncertainty, you've got tension, you've got attempts at manipulation. So 
all actors in a conflict will be trying to control information, whether it's someone who's hired as a public relations person or whether it's by literally taking over a TV channel or a radio station. And that creates a very fertile breeding ground for disinformation. And I think fear tends to turn people inward, make them more wary of others who are not like them and more inclined to believe disinformation, etc. So on the first kind of most superficial level, I guess you could say, just simple information programs. So whether that's news bulletins or reports explain what's happening, I would say contribute directly to creating a more peaceful environment by preventing the absence of information or preventing manipulation of information so that people have an idea of what's going on. And I think in quite a lot of the context where we work, the media that's there otherwise tends to be quite partisan. It might be owned by a political group or it might have purely commercial interests so it's very hard to find that impartial information but I think you need to go much further than that in journalism school you learn that it's all about the five w's who what where when why which I think is not actually always the best approach to be able to help your audiences understand what's happening around them and I think the why is often important but is often oversimplified and there's, there's a lack of context. So I think what, what we need to get is formats and approaches that really focus on analysis, on context, on nuance. Uh, and for me, the word nuance right now is so, it's like, for me, it's the word of, the, of this era where everything is so binary or, or simplified, where in this era of, you know, Twitter and bakery news, where everything has to be simple and it's either this or that, when actually reality is all about nuance and it's complicated. So you need long form. You need long formats to be able to address these kinds of issues. But there are a couple of other things that I would highlight as well as being important contributors to peace. One of that is, is programming that is really inclusive. So we're not just hearing from the politicians and the decision makers. We need to think about other actors in, in peace processes, in society, whether it's women or youths who are often kind of not really you know, taken into consideration, overlooked, vulnerable people, people who've been displaced, etc, etc. So we also try and do programming that will explore issues that are affecting these people and give them a voice to be able to share their concerns, their solutions, and so on. So I, I think the population having a voice and different sectors of society is absolutely crucial as it is in any process that's trying to move towards peace or reconciliation. So what does nuanced content look like at Radio Indaka Luka? Nous avons un programme d'antenne axé en grande partie sur la réconciliation nationale, la cohésion sociale. We have a talk show program focused largely on national reconciliation, social cohesion between different communities, living side by side, improving social living conditions and socio-economic development. We give various communities, religious and local leaders, as well as victims, the opportunity to express their views to all sectors of the population and to work for peace. This means that Radio Indekaluka has forged an indisputable reputation and trust with the population. Listener testimonies shows that many people frequently doubt news unless it has been broadcast on our radio and we will await confirmation of information in our newspapers before they believe it. In our quest to promote peace, we debate the ideals of it and make reports and broadcasts on initiatives that encourage responsible, peaceful, inclusive behaviour. 
We have several programmes based on what our listeners said they wanted. These programmes take the socio-economic and political aspects of our country into account. More specifically, we have programmes dedicated to women, young people, children and the elderly. We start the day with a specific programme dedicated to Central Africans of all stripes. They call the radio station to greet their loved ones from wherever they may be. Other programmes like this go on the air in the evening when Central Africans within the country have the opportunity to call their relatives and talk about their day. It was and still is a success. These programmes make it possible for our listeners to reconnect or forge social ties with other Central Africans. We also have other interesting programmes with a wide audience covering topics such as the Patara political debate and the project to fight disinformation called Hashtag Stop Atene, aimed at quashing rumours. But how do we know that this sort of in-depth programming works, that it actively advances the cause of peace? Unfortunately, this is a metric which is hard to measure, but there are certain elements which can be assessed. I think where we see the strongest impacts is in terms of people's attitudes, in particular towards violence. So we've seen this in, in a few countries, but perhaps I'll give you the example of, of um, Radio Ndekeluka in Central African Republic, where um, we were able to do a couple of studies. Uh, one in particular looked at populations' attitudes towards certain issues before we'd put in a, an antenna, so before they had access to our content and then measured again afterwards, as well as well as another study that looked a bit more broadly at the wider population. So the findings that came from that study, which was an independent study, was that in those who listened to the content of Endekeluka, citizen engagement in elections increased. There was more participation in local community meetings. There was a significant increase in opposition to undemocratic practices, so people became less accepting of things like uh, vote buying, hate speech, uh, ballot box stuffing, et cetera, et cetera. And also participants were given a range of different scenarios and asked, is violence justified in this case or that case, for example, protecting your land from theft? And then those who were exposed to the radio programs thought that violence was less justified in response to uh, different scenarios. So I think it shows that while it's difficult to say well, that translated into concrete action or lack of action, I think what we can say is that people's attitudes change as they become better informed about, about their environment and about the people around them and about giving space to others for freedom of expression, et cetera, et cetera. So there are these changes that we're, that we're able to, to measure. Fondation Hirondelle has also had more direct success in Mali. Le Grand Dialogue. So it means uh, it's like a, a roundtable discussion where you bring people with diverse points of view together to debate, to discuss an issue, being respectful of each other. And it sounds basic, but I think that can actually really contribute to, you know, to making a difference and to, to moving things forward. And to give a concrete example of that, our radio studio called Studio Tamani in Mali was cited as having played a really key role in restarting peace negotiations in 2015, which had stalled. So at the time, there were discussions underway uh, to achieve peace in the country. A series of meetings held place, but it, it came to a kind of standstill. There was no more progress. But then the the parties to the, these discussions were invited onto the Grand Dialogue in Studio Tamani. And during that 
period, they actually reinitiated conversations. And I think it was one of the vice presidents of the Malian National Assembly who said that it was really Studio Tamani that broke the ice again uh, between people and groups who didn't want to talk to each other and were fighting each other. And that by bringing them together around the microphone, Studio Tamani showed them that they could actually talk to each other. And it was an important contribution to the peace process. So th that's a really strong example. We don't always have these amazing wow <laughs> um, results like that. And I think, you know, that's one of the challenges with talking about evidence for radio and peace is it, it's quite hard to to prove when something is contributing in that way because it's it's subtle and it's part of a wider ecosystem. But yeah, that's one of the formats that we think is most effective. So radio can heal. Radio can bring together competing sides and force them to talk. And it can provide the space to discuss the complex. But as we know as well, radio can divide. In the wrong hands, radio can be wielded as a weapon to sow disunity and conflict. After all, that is what led to the creation of Fondation Hirondelle in the first place. Fondation Hirondelle is a non-profit organisation based in Switzerland and it was founded in 1995. And with the goal of ensuring that populations in crisis zones and fragile contexts have access to reliable information and space for dialogue. And it was actually created by three journalists in response to the Rwanda genocide, where radio played a very significant role in inciting hatred and violence. There was a channel called Radio Television Libre des Mille Collines which was essentially used as a weapon to project hate against Tutsis, against moderate Hutus, against the UN mission in Rwanda, against Belgians. And it was found afterwards to have contributed a significant role towards creating this, this violence and the atrocities that took place. So the idea was really having seen the damage that media can do, to have a counterweight to that, so have a media that would play a role in helping people recover and cope with crisis and play a role in contributing to peace rather than violence. Ultimately, the qualities which make radio so valuable when it comes to promoting peace, how it establishes such a deep relationship with its audience, how it's rooted in local communities, how it brings authentic and recognised voices to listeners, these are the same qualities that make it such an effective and dangerous weapon when used to spew propaganda, hatred. Back in Colombia, that power is being harnessed for good. The peace radio stations give the microphone to the people. Audiences hear voices from their own communities. Divisions are discussed, not dismissed. Finally, we return to Yesenia Polanya, working for an emisora de paz in the south of Colombia. What does radio provide to her community in Algeciras? It's a force for peace because now you have the opportunity to listen to many people who have to live through the army conflict in Colombia. The same people that now are trying to work in community in the countryside that is working for a better future for everyone. And for many years we listened to stories, not good stories in the social media. These stories were about the conflict, the war, but now I think that the radio is telling the other part of the story, another truth. And now I think that radio gives the voice to the farmers, to the indigenous people, women, children, everyone who is now constructing peace in their everyday life, 
in Colombia. And we have the opportunity to tell these stories in the, in the radio. Thank you very much for listening. Please do rate, subscribe and share. This was a special episode released to coincide with UNESCO World Radio Day. My thanks to my guests, Yesenia Polanya and Juan Ricardo Polido from RTVC, Jackie Dalton from Fondation Irondel, and Brice Londrion Dongui from Radio Indeca Luca. Special thanks to Glynis Robshaw for the translation and Libby Corrie for the voiceover both from the University of East Anglia. Thanks as always to Rachel Still, Lucas Thompson and Tom Brazier for the music. We have another roundtable coming up for PMA members in March on youth education and engagement. For more details on that, head to our website, publicmediaalliance.org. Do give us a follow on social media, and if you want a weekly dose of public media news, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter. Just finally, a special welcome to Canadian educational broadcaster TVO and Czech TV, who have both just joined the Public Media Alliance as members. We'll be back with a new episode in March. Thanks for listening. Thank you.